HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Cane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.cane5.com. Okay, it's one o'clock on a Thursday, and that means you have tuned into the Heritage Radio Network for the Farm Report, coming to you live from the back of Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are on the line with B. Ayer, who is the farm manager for BK Farmyards. B, welcome to the show. Hi, good afternoon. So great to have you. So I wanted to start off um, with just a little bit of history. What exactly is uh, BK Farmyards? Well, BK Farmyards is a decentralized network of farms and farm education programs in central Brooklyn. And how did you guys get started? Well, um, this is our third season, and we started off really by looking at what was happening in terms of the food system in Brooklyn. Um, we, we were really exploring the issues of justice and injustice, specifically in the food system, um, especially living in New York City where we have all of these amazing assets. You know, we live in a city that has a lot of available land, like a lot of available land. Um, we have very high demand for fresh produce. There's a lot of amazing, talented growers in the city. There's a lot of people who want to learn how to grow food. Um, there's a lot of people who really care about their own health and the health of their families and their communities. But yet, with all of those assets, we live in a community that is extremely food insecure, where the food system isn't built on nurturing our community and ourselves, um, but is really built on greed. And so we are trying to find a way to, to pair up those assets um, and combat, combat the injustice that exists within the food system so we started with um, turning people's backyards into small farm plots and using those, 
plots as both a demonstration of the amount of food that could be grown in Brooklyn and also as training sites to train new people, new farmers, how to actually grow food in the city. So that's how we started. Um, we started on 600 square feet, pretty small, and um, now we're, we're working at about six different sites and growing about 22,000 pounds of food a year and working with probably about 400 people a year. Wow. So the you... You brought up a lot of big stuff there. Thank you. We're going to tuck into some different parts of that. Um, but be, before we kind of unpack some of those bigger issues, I want to just kind of get a picture of um, the, the full scope of the programs there. So you guys got started um, basically using backyard space to to grow food. And BK Farmyards is now today more than that. I mean, the program has grown. What is what is your role? And kind of can you talk about what you do for them and what some of the new programs are that have, have been kind of added to the original model of, of BK Farmyards? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So, yeah, we, we did start with one backyard, and then the goal was to continue producing food in people's backyards and really using underutilized land backyards, abandoned lots, um, working with new developers to incorporate food-growing spaces. Um, and then we were actually approached by a high school principal in central Brooklyn, uh, right on the border of Crown Heights and East Flatbush. And the high school for public service had over an acre of land that had not been used um, in the last 50 years. It had just been a lawn. Um, and the high school approached us and asked us what we thought we could do with the space, um, both in terms of production and education. So I came on as a farm manager on site, and we are now cultivating the land. Um, we have, you know, about an acre here, and our goal this year is to produce about 22,000 pounds of food and to also provide adult and youth education to the community. So we work with a school. We're in the classroom at least four days a week and teaching everything from nutrition, um, media awareness, issues of structural racism in the food system, um, issues of policy, and also, of course, bringing the students out onto the farm to learn about the science of growing food in the city and also to incorporate more physical activity into their curriculum. And um, so you, oh, were, yeah, no, I'm sorry, you were brought on to, to kind of work on this aspect of the organization. What is, what is your background? I mean, how, how, did, how did you guys find each other? What kind of qualifies you for this type of work? Wow, well, that, you know, that's a question that I get asked a lot. Everyone, everyone tends to ask me, like, how did you get here? And then people that are interested in, in farming always ask, like, well, what do I do, you know, to get where you are and, um, I actually met Stacy. Um, just I heard about what she was doing, and I was out actually in California at the University of California, Santa Cruz, studying ecological horticulture at their um, farm program out there. And I was interested in starting a new farm in Brooklyn and was working on a business plan. And uh, that was the time that the principal contacted her, and she contacted me, and as soon as I got back to Brooklyn, we came out and met with the teachers and some of the parents to talk about what they were envisioning for the site and did soil samples and been here ever since. Um, this is my, I guess this is about my 11th season, um, being involved in organic agriculture in some capacity 
Um, I've spent a lot of time volunteering on different farms and working on different farms, managing other urban farms, teaching 4-H, doing garden education in schools. Um, but I'm really happy now to be the farm manager, particularly at a high school in central Brooklyn. Um, what, what can you tell us? What, what is ecological horticulture? What does that mean? Sure, that's, that's the term, um, that's the certificate that you get from the University of Santa Cruz. Um, at, at the university there, they have the Center for Agroecology and Sustainable Food Systems, and they have a working farm, and it's, it's definitely one of the best training programs in the country for learning about organic agriculture. And, uh, you know, it focuses on ecological horticulture, so it's, it is, you know, what a lot of people would consider um, biointensive or organic agriculture, but really what it is, it's, it's learning about the ecological systems um, and how that, those interact with vegetable production. And working as a farm manager, is that your full-time job? Yes, it is. So I currently work full-time at the High School for Public Service Youth Farm, and now we've actually partnered with Green Gorillas. So we're actually a program of Green Gorillas, and we still get a lot of support from BK Farmyards as far as volunteer staffing and publicity and organizational help. Um, and we also, of course, get a lot of support um, from Green Gorillas and all of their other amazing programs. And I also run a small chicken operation in Crown Heights with BK Farmyards. Ooh, tell us more about that. So our chicken operation was started um, really out of a dream to kind of try out a larger-scale chicken operation in New York City. Um, I had been uh, gardening at a garden in the South Bronx, the Garden of Happiness. Maybe a lot of your listeners are familiar with it. It's an amazing <laughs> garden. sounds nice. <laughs> an amazing garden, and we had about 17 hens there, and um, we were selling the eggs at our farmer's market, and I really wanted to see if if I could do something a little bit bigger and challenge myself to learn more about livestock in the city. And we were approached by the New York Restoration Project to see if we could partner with them in some way to bring more people into some of the gardens that had very low membership um, and not a lot of community involvement. So we, um, we toured a bunch of different sites with them, and then we found the Amani Garden, which is in Crown Heights, um, that had a lot of space available to it and had an amazing group of permaculture activists who are taking on the site to redesign it and garden there, but not necessarily a lot of community involvement directly in the site, not a lot of people walking into the garden on a day-to-day basis. So we decided we would put up a chicken operation there, both as a way to provide a sustainably raised protein for the community but also um, as a way to entice more people into the garden so people could really use that green space in their community and also to provide more hands-on education on raising chickens in the city. So we currently have about 60 hens on site. We have a small egg CSA. That's how we distribute most of our eggs. And we have a 15-week chicken apprenticeship training program on site where people learn everything about how to raise chickens in the city, that is all the basics, um, with a goal of, of really getting people to the point where they can make the decision if they have all the knowledge they need and if they are really still interested in raising chickens, they can go ahead and start their own operations, whether that's, you know, 50 birds or three birds in their backyard. 
Awesome. And I know we've had um, some folks from Just Food on in, in past shows kind of talking about chickens and the fact that I think it's surprising to a lot of our listeners that you can raise as many hens in the city as, as you want, just no roosters, right? Yeah, that's right. And Just Food has been doing amazing work over the years to really help different community gardens have chickens. They go into gardens and do community organizing and help people build a coop and obtain feed and the hens themselves. And then they provide a lot of education all over the city on on how to take care of birds and also resources um, for even home chicken owners um, on what to do if your chickens get sick or um, where to find out more information. So I work very closely with Just Food and the New York Restoration Project on the chicken project. That's right. It sounds like BK Farmyard has become something of, of a, a nexus, like an organization kind of working to connect not only uh, community members, but also as a resource for other New York City-based organizations to expand their work. And I'm just kind of curious, amongst all these kind of partnerships and uh, looking at kind of fun, funding structures for, for programs like these and kind of I'm not sure if you can talk about this at all, but where essentially like where the money is coming from uh, to to support the staffing needed to run these projects, or is it primarily you know aside from your work volunteer based? Yeah, um, so you know different urban agriculture projects in the city have found different ways of sustaining themselves financially, whether it be foundation or selling primarily to high end restaurants or private fundraising. And we're kind of taking um, a combined approach. So we have a lot of educational programs that we run, and we try and support those programs through the the revenue of our produce. Um, Our goal is that in in five years, the high school site will actually sustain the the staffing, the the farm staff, and part-time educational staff through the sale of produce. And and we really are doing that because we believe very strongly that it's the most sustainable way to actually sustain programs. And we really want our produce to be available to people in the community. And we, we feel like the community has enough resources to support these types of programs. Um, and we don't really want to be relying on a lot of outside support for that. So, um, you know, a lot of our revenue does come from the sale of our produce. Um, that we also do private fundraising, and then we also have some great foundational support and private donations for some of our educational programs as well. Awesome. Thanks. B, we're going to take a uh, quick break, and when we get back, I want to kind of tuck into some issues around location and, and why you are where you are. Sure.
Okay, we're bringing it back. You are tuned into the Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network, and we are on the line with B. Ayer of uh, BK Farmlands. There are a lot of Bs for me. So, B, um, at the beginning of the show, you, you said something that was surprising to me and maybe to uh, some of our listeners is that uh, in New York City, there's a lot of available land. And I, I'm kind of curious uh, wh- what exactly you mean by that and, and what, you know, how, how you're quantifying a, a lot. Um, well, I guess, you know, I, I say it in kind of a, a broad sense in that there's a, a lot of land available for food production. You know, just in terms of backyards alone, there's 52,000 acres in New York City. And... Um, you know, that is a lot of land. If you think about doing intensive vegetable production, that's land to produce a lot of food for people in New York City. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that our goal is, is to grow all of the food that New York City needs to grow in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our goal is to provide some food specifically for people who need it most, who are most insecure in the city, and to use that food production as an educational tool for people. Um, but, you know, then there's parklands, there's school lands. I mean, the, the site where the high school for public service youth farm is, is an acre of land that had been sitting empty for over 50 years with only grass on it. Um, and there's schools all over the city that have land. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vacant lots all over the city that are just being sat on by developers who aren't doing anything with them. They're just currently, you know, a blight on the neighborhoods where they really could be used as resources for people. Okay, that makes sense. And and just kind of briefly, I mean, what are you what are what are your personal or, or maybe BK farmyards uh, feelings about, you know, we've been hearing a lot in the in the urban egg movement about vertical farming or rooftop farming and your model is seems seems a little more uh, you know, ground based and, and is that a conscious choice or is that more of a reflection of what's available in the space you chose to work in? It's a very conscious choice for us to actually grow in the soil, and that's based both on our cultural values um, as well as our values and knowledge as farmers and the science of farming. Um, you know, growing in the soil is, both, is the most sustainable form of agriculture because you're really, to do organic farming, what you're doing is you're growing healthy soil, and all of the nutrients in food come from the soil. So when you take the soil out of agricultural production, your nutrients are coming from far away, you know. Um, you're, you're taking minerals from mountains that you have to blow up, and you're taking seaweed from all over the world and shipping it, shipping it in. And, um, you know, that's not to say that other, other forms of growing food has no place, but if you, if you actually are looking at ecological sustainability and not ex- internalizing the cost of food production, then growing in the soil is just common sense. Um, And when you're actually looking at the science of horticulture, the plants, you know, the plants need soil. They need a full spectrum of nutrients that can really only come from having a healthy soil biology. Um, So for us, you know, we are really geared on growing a lot of food, but doing it in the most environmentally sustainable way. You know, we're not using electricity for lights. Um, You know, we don't support fracking. We don't support blowing up mountains. We don't support harvesting seaweed from across the world and shipping it in. Um, 
We don't support, you know, chemical fertilizers. Um, we, we feel very strongly that growing food organically produces the healthiest food for people. And, um, you know, you can't grow food organically if you're depending on, on fracking and blowing up mountains and other things that are so detrimental um, to the world. Wow. And, you know, more so than that, you know, what we do is we want to also grow food in the way that is the cheapest for us. So that's, you know, the lowest amount of inputs, but it's also using the land that's available because we want to be having our food available as cheap as possible because our goal is to be providing food for people in New York City that need it the most. Um, we're not growing food for for high-end consumers. Those people already have access to food. There's whole foods that people can shop at if they have a lot of money. There's a lot of fancy restaurants that people that are rich can go to and get healthy, you know, quality, fresh produce. But, it's you know, it's the people in central Brooklyn and the South Bronx and, and low-income residents all over the city that really need the access to healthy food. And so we're trying to grow food in the most sustainable way and also in the way that makes it the most accessible to the populations that we're a part of. Yeah, and I think you you, you touch on some interesting points, and I want to explore kind of this uh, idea of location a little bit more. I know, you know, there's a long history uh, of growing food in central Brooklyn. We've had uh, John Amoroso, who was the uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension Officer for New York City, on the show talking about how in the late 70s, he was actually placed in the Crown Heights Bedside area and looking at community gardens as a tool for uh, community development and, and social justice. And it was kind of fascinating to talk with him about the, the 30 year, you know, 30 plus year history uh, of that part of New York and, and how gar- gardening and farming has become like it come in and out of fashion and what different types of things it's been used to, to promote or decline, you know, to promote or... Um, sustain and how it, it's had moments of, you know, decline and, and success. So when, when BK Farm Arts was kind of looking for a location, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different areas. You mentioned Central Brooklyn. You mentioned the South Bronx. You know, there's places in New York City that are in need of the services and, and the food that you're talking about. What, what, what was it about Central Brooklyn that made that the, the place for you guys to go? Well, we all live in Central Brooklyn, and we feel very strongly that you need to be working and organizing in the community that you live. Um, we're not interested in going into other people's neighborhoods and, and starting programs, um, you know, to empower other people. Um, that's, not, that's not our organizing principles. Um, and it just so happens that, you know, where we live is some of the most food-insecure neighborhoods, you know, in all of New York City, and that's, you know, on top of the high rates of food insecurity and poverty in New York City overall. Um, you know, 18% of, of residents in central Brooklyn are food insecure. Um, we have some of the highest rates of obesity, diabetes. And then, of course, you know, the, the terrible, terrible new um, dilemma of so many youth that are both obese and malnourished. Um, so, you know, we have... We have so many of these problems in central Brooklyn that we feel like urban agriculture can be a tool to address. Plus, we have so many of the assets. We have land. There's so many amazing community gardens and gardeners in central Brooklyn that have been here, you know, for 30 years plus. 
um, that really mentored us and showed us the way. Um, so it just, for us, it just made sense to work where we are. Yeah, um, and how has the community responded to you? I mean, uh, did you, you know, put your, put your hoe in the ground and there was a line of people waiting to check it out? Or, or how has that kind of community development and outreach aspect and education aspect kind of grown from the actual, uh, you know, growing vegetables in the ground? How, do, how, do I, how have you related those two? Yeah, um, well, I'm actually really glad that you bring it up because, you know, the issue of community organizing is really central to what we're doing. You know, we're, we love producing food, we love being farmers, we love doing education about horticulture, but the reality is that what we're doing specifically at the high school is really a tool to get to other things, especially with things like our summer youth program where, you know, the kids are working on the farm, but really working on the farm is a tool to gain leadership skills and practice um, their leadership and community um, involvement. And the, the way that we started the school program is by meeting with teachers and parents um, and really hearing from them what they were interested in doing and then finding out, you know, what those programs would look like and pairing them with the skills that we had, and then finding other people that had skills to complement that. Um, so the Youth Farm really is a school-based program, um, and it has an, an amazing amount of support from the school, um, from the, the high school staff itself, from the students, um, and from the surrounding neighborhood. We sell out at our farmer's market almost every week, and most people who shop at our farmer's market live within four blocks of the market or work directly across the street. So, you know, when it comes to, like, eating locally, we are producing food super locally. Um, <laughs> you know, That's for great. people who live, who live very close to us, um, which is great because we have such a tight-knit community, we really get to know everyone. And we can also then quickly change our program, programs to fit the needs of different people. So... This past year, we started our farm apprenticeship program at the youth farm, and that was because there was a lot of people who were approaching us who wanted to gain the horticultural knowledge from working on a farm. And so, you know, because we were we were so tapped in, um, because we're you know, it's easy for us to to change our programs according to need. We just created a new program, and um, I think it's been pretty successful. And and, of course, then our, our partnerships with other people in the community, um, both in Crown Heights, but also in the, in the wider city, um, both in the food justice world and, and outside of the food justice world, were a site for Farm School NYC, which is an amazing new program. It's a two-year certificate program in urban agriculture uh, with a food justice base, and we're very lucky to be a site for them. So people from all over the city who really care about issues of food justice and are, are learning the skills become urban farmers, um, come to our site and bring us a lot of information. Um, and then, you know, we're always just asking people in the community what they think, what they want, um, you know, from like how much more more produce of this type do you want to what other kinds of programs do you think should exist on this site. Um, and, and we really want our, our farm to be, to be owned by the school community and the surrounding community and we hope that that is reflected in our activities and our strategies and in our funding process as well. Yeah, I was going to say that, that um, you know, by, by being self-funded primarily through the sales of your produce, it does give you 
the ability to be pretty nimble with your programming. You're not kind of tied to a specific grant or, or programmatic agenda that, that comes from outside, but you're really able to kind of be responsive to the needs on the ground. And I think that that's an exciting kind of flexibility um, and, and it's a benefit to, to working with that type of funding structure. I'm just curious, um, what, what are you guys growing? I mean, what are the kind of what are the hot items at the markets and, and what's selling out first for you? Well, we grow about 70 different varieties of the farm. We have 40 different vegetables, 20 different herbs, um, a whole slew of flowers. That's a, another really exciting program that we're just piloting this year um, is, a, is a small flower farm on site. We have an amazing flower farmer, uh, Molly Culver, working with us doing bouquets for our CSA, and um, we're also selling some flowers to some amazing local restaurants that support our work. Um, so the, you know, the most popular items around here really are the okra and the callaloo and the scotch bonnet peppers, um, the thick leaf callaloo, things of that nature where we're a West Indian community and we try and really grow, um, a lot of culturally appropriate foods and, um, you know, it's not just that we're growing callaloo, but we try and grow the specific variety that the people around here want, um, and, and we're really lucky because a lot of people in this neighborhood are coming from an agricultural background. People bring us plants and people bring us seeds from home. Um, you know, we've had people that go home to Trinidad and visit and they come back and they tell us, you know, exactly what type of peppers they want. And then they bring us plants from their home that we're able to save seeds from and then grow more of the following year. That's awesome. Did you guys have any trouble with Irene? We did. Unfortunately, we actually had quite a bit of damage from Irene. Thankfully, not as bad as, as could have happened, and we're really happy that you know everyone we know is, is safe and, and wasn't injured. Um, but mostly we had just a lot of things blow over. Um, we have about seven trees on the farm that are lying on the ground at this point, and we're still really trying to get everything back in order. Um, it's really just set us back as far as labor because um, we've spent the past two weeks doing nothing but, but really repairing the farm. Um, and, you know, we lost some supplies as well that were damaged in the farm. So we are, we are still trying to recover and hoping that the plants will recover soon. And the sun today should help that out a little bit as well. Um, we're also holding a fundraiser next Saturday, Saturday, September 17th. We're holding a pop-up dinner at the farm. It should be really fun. We're providing some of our favorite local restaurants with produce from the farm, and they'll be cooking delicious items and bringing it to the farm, and we'll have a lovely family-style dinner on the farm that people can come to. Um, I would encourage anyone to come to that if they're interested. You can buy tickets online at, at supportyouthfarm.org, and that money will be used to support our educational programs uh, both in the school and, and out of the school. Awesome. B, we are about out of time, but before we wrap up, um, what, if any, you know, what are the ways if people want to uh, make a donation to your organization or if they want to get involved in uh, some volunteer work, where do they find you? Well, the best way to find out information about the youth farm is to go to our website, which is HSPS, that stands for the High School for Public Service, Youth Farm blogspot.com. You can find out about all of BK Farmyards programs at bkfarmyards.com, and of course we have a link to the youth farm there. We have volunteer days at the youth farm, the first 
and third Saturday of the month from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. that anyone is welcome to. We also have a lot of other great volunteer opportunities from, you know, anything from coming to the farm for one day to working with us for six months and working on educational programming or design. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that people can get involved. And then, of course, we have all of our educational programs that are available to people. We offer field trips to the farm for elementary schools, college classes, church groups. Um, we can also go to different people's sites to do workshops as well. Awesome. B, thank you so much. It was great to have you on, and I look forward to bringing you back again and kind of continuing some of these conversations around urban agriculture, food, and food justice. Also want to uh, alert our listeners to um, the October-November uh, issue of Bust Magazine. I think there's going to be a nice profile of BK Farmyards uh, written by Heritage staffer uh, Stephanie. So take a look for that and tune in next week at 1 o'clock for the Farm Report. Thank you, B. Thank you so much. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to cull the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.